Hi, it's Jill Schlesinger, host of Better Off. And today we are talking about how to unite girls with the wisdom of women. As a fellow athlete, I felt that I could not only understand who they were, what they needed, and how to help build their careers, but I knew how to compete. Mm. And I also knew that I looked around the business table that every one of those businessmen probably wished that they were an athlete. And so I had something up on them. Welcome to the Better Off Podcast. We're sponsored by Betterment, the largest independent online financial advisor. So I just want to come out of the closet right now and tell you I am a woman. Yep, it's true. And I'm very interested in trying to get more and more women and girls interested in doing things that are traditionally male dominated. For example, finances, financial planning, some of the tech industries. But I can't get to the girls early enough. Our guest, Donna Orender, she can. Donna has a great background. She uh, was actually president of the Women's National Basketball Association, before that an executive at the PGA Tour. And she has created a movement called Wowsdom. And she's written a book, The Girl's Guide to the Positive and the Possible, Wowsdom. I thought it would be fun to have her during the summer months. She just wrote this book, just published. I'm actually in the book. So is my friend Lisa Shallot. I invited both Donna and Lisa into the studio to help explain what's behind Wowsdom and a little bit about their own careers in male-dominated fields. So here's our interview with Donna Orinder and Lisa Shallot. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. Well, we've got a very big show today. Two guests, one who really had no idea she was going to be sitting in the room with a microphone. The other one kind of knew. So Donna Orinder and Lisa Shallot, welcome to the Better Off podcast. We're glad to be better off this morning. You are. Nice. Mm -hmm. So Donna, you don't know this, but Lisa does. We start the podcast with a very specific question, which is, what is the best financial decision that you've ever made? Seriously? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, buying my home. That everyone says that. That's such. It's like a, actually a sort of like a very classic one. I'm sorry to be so classic. It's but good. Honestly, I always wished I was one of those people who bought a house and then it was worth so much more money. And then I realized one day I was one of those people. Yeah, it's kind of. But you're not selling it. You like your house. I love my. I'm never selling it. So. All right, she's going out feed first. Lisa Shallot, Camp Pointo Pines, yes. a camp friend of mine forever and ever. Forever. Uh, what's the best financial decision or career decision? I'll give you both of those as a choice. You know, I think in both cases, the answer would be the same. And that is deciding to go to Harvard Business School. Um, that was something that was never in my life plan, but was something I realized that was smart to do. And once I did that, it really changed the course of my life and how I thought about my opportunities. All right. Why are you here today? Because Donna has created a movement, if you will, Wowsdom, the Girl's Guide to the Positive and the Possible. Donna, tell us a little bit about why this movement began and how did this happen? Um, it started when I was born a woman, <laughs> a girl. That's amazing. And, and, it, and um... Wait a second. You were born where? Actually, I was born here, right here in New York. Born in New York, but now you live in Florida of all yeah, places. I, I, Very strange. 
<laughs> Why, don't all the New Yorkers? I went to North Florida. That is strange, yeah, actually. Not yeah, South yeah. Florida. Yeah. You were born in New York. Right. You go to college? I do go to college. You're an athlete, right? I am, I am an athlete. What kind of athlete? Uh, a committed athlete. Played like seven sports in high school. Crazy. I decided I loved the sport that girls shouldn't love, which is basketball. Love basketball. Right. Pl- and you're tiny. I am. You know what? I always thought I was so huge. It was like, I, I thought I was big, but now people are much bigger than I am. Mm. Wingspan. Yeah. Wingspan. No, what? actually, no, no. This is what I always say. Chill. I always, and when I talk to kids, I'll say, you know what? It's not how tall you are. It's how tall your heart is. Ooh. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, what position did you play in basketball? I was a shooting guard. Of course you were. Or a point guard. Again, tiny. Did you play basketball in college? I played at one of the top teams right here. A storied team in the, in the nation, which was top 10 every year. History-making team. First women's team ever to play at Madison Square Garden. And what the team was? The Queens College part of the city university system. What happened after that? After you played and did you win a championship of some sort? We were always top 10 in the nation. We were we we had a lot of firsts. However, when I went to graduate, the first women's professional league was created. Timing is everything. Yeah. And so I got to play professional I was a professional athlete. Get out. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. I played all 3 years in the women's basketball professional basketball league and interestingly enough, the league was just inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame three or four weeks ago. Wow, congratulations. Pi- well, we got pioneer status. I mean, mm. I, I'm happy about it, but really? Pioneer? Mm. makes you feel old, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Old and tiny. I'm leaving. Oh. <laughs> so who made that league? How did that league come about? It was a bunch of businessmen that came together and decided that they wanted to create a women's professional basketball league. Bill Byrne was the original guy uh-huh. out of Chicago. Who, who else played in that, that league that, that we would have heard of? Nancy Lieberman played in that league. Tallest Jewish woman alive, I Ka- think. Ka- <laughs> I thought I had that role, but someone <laughs> told me, no, 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 I've met Nancy know. Lieberman. I think she's 6'2". 6'1". Yeah, you six might one. be taller. No. Yeah. I'm five eleven. Really, That's you it. look so much taller. Nancy Lieberman, Carol play- Blaschowski, and then one of my friends to this day, probably one of the greatest women basketball players ever, is Annie Myers. Wow. She came to play right after. You know, I don't know if you know this. She was the first woman to ever try out for an NBA team, the Indiana Pacers. Wow. And they paid her $50,000. She shows up at our practice. I thought she was the richest woman in the world. She was to you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> $50,000 they paid her. And then she probably got, I don't know what the, I don't know what the WBL paid her, but I can assure you was it that. What happens after your, uh, oh, three years after you've done the this professional? I cry. I'm washed up. I'm retired at 22. I mean, can oh you imagine? Oh, my God. Wow. And Done. Then, and then what? And then I actually I began a job in broadcast in, in sports broadcast. And, and so I actually worked at the network. I worked in cable television. I worked um, for the ultimately the PGA Tour. I built that. Now, how did you company. do that? How, now, so let's talk a little bit about that. So you get involved. You're in the PGA Tour. You become sort of like a big shot at the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. What'd you do? I was, oh, I, they first brought me in to run their production company. Okay. Um, and I had to do it in Florida. So at that point in time, it was very strange. You know, people appeared and think we had plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> they would send me pictures and say, hey, remember this place? This is what it looks like. Do you have plumbing? Is electricity working down there? Can you really make television in Florida? It was really, really fun. You were surrounded by men? This was the totally. PGA, not LPGA. This is the PGA Tour. So, one hundred percent, all men. And so, you're a trailblazer, right? Uh, I was. I was. You're a pioneer. I was a pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> I was, and I, you know, it was. I guess it was all male athletes and all male management. How'd you deal with that being the only chick? You know, it's funny. I didn't look at myself as a woman, which is an interesting growth perspective for a lot of women. Um, I looked at myself as an athlete, mm-hmm. and as an as a fellow athlete. I felt that I could not only understand who they were, what they needed, 
and how to help build their careers, but I knew how to compete. Mm. And I also knew that I looked around the business table that every one of those businessmen probably wished that they were an athlete. And so I had something up on them. Oh, that's kind of cool. Right. All right. And then from PGA, WNBA? From, from the there? PGA Tour, I got recruited. Yeah, I got recruited by um, Adam Silver to if I was interested in becoming the president commissioner of the WNBA. And so you come into the WNBA. You do that for a while. I do. It was How a, long? Six years. Six years. Hardest job, best job. So, yeah, totally amazing. Why is it so hard? Because do you go to work every day and tell everyone tell you that you can't do that job, that it's an impossible thing, it's going to close tomorrow? Uh, if you show up tomorrow, it's not going to be here? Uh, the, probably the greatest amount of negativity I've ever experienced. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know, but you know what's good about it? What? You, learn, you learn how to deal with it and make it a positive. Okay, that's good. What year did you leave the WNBA? 2010, cusp of 11. 10, 11. And then... Now tell us about how you became a cheerleader for Positive and Possible for Girls. I would tell you that working on behalf of the WNBA, right, this huge iconic brand that's all about strong women was an awakening. What was woken you? Um, here, we are, here I was tasked with creating a viable business um, that had strong women at the center of it. And I, it's, I, I always like to talk about being on the, the cusp of the wave of um, you know, cultural, the, cultural and economic change. And I learned about how the world felt about women and, in this capacity, and it wasn't pretty. And so how did you get involved in creating this big conference that you hold? Well, I was fortunate that when I was with the WNBA, I spoke all over the world at tremendous access. And I, I think the moment it went off is I went to Maria Shriver's conference in California. I remember all the governors had their wives did conferences. And it was amazing. And under Maria's guidance, it was amazing. And I looked around the room and I sat right behind Caroline Kennedy. And next to me was a hairdresser from Fresno. And I love that. I just love that. And I said, I'm going to go home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a gift for my city. I'm going to bring women together because I know there are women in every single city. Oprah is not number one because of the women in New York or the women in Chicago. It's the women in Jacksonville and Birmingham and all across. And I'm going to do something in our city that's going to be a thought leadership gathering place that really helps women elevate themselves. And that's how it all started. Okay. Now, I'm going to shift away from you for a second. Please. Lisa Shallot. First of all, Lisa, full disclosure, Lisa and I went to camp together, and she's a phenomenal tennis player and a wonderful friend. So, Lisa, when you met Donna, you were still at Goldman Sachs or not at Goldman Sachs? Yes, I was still at Goldman Sachs. I was a partner responsible for um, brand marketing and digital strategy, which meant that I was in the right place at the right time to run Goldman's brand during the financial crisis. Oh, my gosh. So Lisa and I got back into one another's lives I think in 2009-ish. It was was 2010. 10. And I was doing some sort of conference, and my brother-in-law works at Goldman Sachs, and he forwards this thing about the fact that I'm doing something about social media for financial service firms. He forwards the the invitation from the Securities Industry and Financial Markets Association to Lisa, who he knew. And he said, oh, you might be interested. But he didn't say, this is my sister-in-law. He said, I think you might be interested in this. I think this might be interesting to you, because who else was talking about social media and financial services back in 2010? You know, brands weren't on, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, no Twitter, et cetera. These were emerging markets. And lo and behold, someone sends me an incredibly valuable, you know, event to attend. And I... I would have opened any email from John anyway, but I open it 
and staring back at me with very little change, exactly the face of this amazing woman I remember. I just was pinching myself, and so I write back to John. I say, you have to ask Jill if she went to this camp and knows me by my maiden name. And sure enough, uh, that was the reconnection. Five minutes is, later, we're on the phone. Which is thanks to SIFMA. Thank you. Is, uh, or John fantastic. O'Connell. Of course, John uh, O'Connell. Bringing together Jewish girls at every turn. Amazing. <laughs> so, um, so, Lisa, you. I just want to go back in time. You said the best financial or career decision was attending Harvard Business School. Yep. You went to Harvard undergrad. You were studying... East Asian Studies. East Asian Studies. And then when you graduated from Harvard, what did you do? I went to Japan and was an intern at the largest, but outside of Japan, very little known, uh, you know, TV and media company um, in Japan making Japanese game shows and a home shopping show. And I did that for a year and a half in Tokyo and then came back and did that in uh, New York with them. But what's so wild about that is that we're talking about the late 80s, right? And you are in Japan, which was supposed to supposedly the country that was taking over the universe, right? Yes, yes. So I decided to major in East Asian studies, having won a scholarship in high school to do a homestay in Japan. I am shocked to this day that my parents let their oldest daughter pre-internet, go to the other side of the world, to a country they had never been to, where I don't speak the language, where I'm allergic to fish, and I was taller than everyone, and um, managed to have this life-changing, incredible experience that then made me want to go back to that family one day and speak Japanese, hence uh, giving up my desire to be an English major and immersing myself in East Asian studies. Oh, my God. Okay, so... Then that's an incredible story. Isn't that amazing? amazing? I mean, the thing that I love about it is like the risk taking, but it doesn't feel like a risk at the time. It's like this sounds like a great thing. I'll it, just do it. It was a clueless risk. I wouldn't call it a smart risk. In retrospect, it looked it looks like a smart risk. I would take I would take credit for it. Lisa. It was yeah, just own it, baby. But at that time, Japan was not a place most people went, and my parents were freaking out that I would be an East Asian studies major with a fish allergy and therefore couldn't even open up a sushi restaurant. And um, <laughs> by the time I graduated in the late 80s, uh, Japan had taken over the world, was the number one economic power, and I looked like a genius. But in fact, it was for purely sentimental reasons that I really wanted to understand what had happened to me in high school. All right. You go to Harvard Business School. You come out. You go work at Goldman Sachs. Is that your first job? No. I first went to Bertelsmann, the German media mm. company, who in the interviewing process at um, HBS was the only company that had ever heard of Fujisanke. They recognized the Japanese company. They, you know, broke every recruiting rule and wanted me to be part of uh, this uh, this phenomenal internship that they offered to be um, executive assistant to the president of a division and had me join them to start, you will laugh because of the obsolescence, eight CDs for the price of one, nothing more to buy ever. A phenomenally successful um, negative option direct marketing club that was taken over the world. And um, they had had tremendous success in the U.S., wanted to start it in Japan. And they hired me to do that while being based in New York. A week's due diligence revealed that negative option direct marketing at that time was illegal in Japan. And so I I ended up, it wasn't their fault, they just didn't know. And so I ended up doing non-Japan related things. And sometimes when you have an absence of a thing that you love, you realize how much you love it. And so I knew I wanted to do something Japan related and found a job first at Barclays and then at Goldman called Japanese Equity Sales. Um, What was that to you? What did that mean to you when you saw it? 
When I saw it, it meant that someone was going to pay me to talk to smart people about Japan all day, and that、um, hopefully I would be able to learn everything else associated with.、It. I mean, I came to that job having had an MBA, but you know, it was still when the movie Wall Street was popular and did not seem like the right place for me.、Um, and so I was just delighted to discover that that role existed and felt like I was in my element. And you moved back. To Japan, then, nope, or you did, did that, it all from New York? I did that in New York. Okay, and then what? Because now this is a very interesting thing to me, Miss Donna. I'm just spending a little time with my friend I, Lisa. I'm so loving this. Am, you this never, is, you've heard her life story before, or no? no you know, Jill, you know what I'm so amazed? Like,、mm. I, is that you know somebody so well, and it's not until they talk in front of thousands and millions of people do you actually learn more? Millions is aspirational, but thank you. <laughs>、uh, okay, so the thing that's interesting is that usually people who go into sales and trading,、yep. sales or trading, but it's now one department, right? They stay in that for their careers. Right. You were able to shift out of different silos in a very large institution. So, how long were you dealing with the Japanese equity sales department? So, started in New York. On a small desk in a in a sea of U.S. shares, as you might imagine, then moved to Tokyo for two years and co-headed the Japanese shares business globally. Then came back to New York and became head of international equities, which was the department I started in, which was kind of cool.、Um, but all what did told, you do in that job? Like when you say I'm a head, like someone's listening to this, what does that mean? I'm head of international equities. That means that I oversee the sales and trading activities for all of the North America-based clients that are dealing in non-U.S. Equity markets. Okay, so that's a big job.、Um, it was it was a big job, and it was a fantastic job.、Um, but all told, at Goldman, I was in the securities division for eleven years,、mm-hmm. and made partner in that division. I, you know, thought that that would have been, to your point, the way I would have progressed in my career. I never thought, especially for a time, I was the only woman partner in the equities division globally, that、um, they would let me out. And so, when the opportunity came to become the chief operating officer of global compliance,、uh, you know, in the very beginning of 2006, I was flabbergasted. I never thought that that was something in my path, and、um, I think that was my first smart risk. So you went on, and then you ended up doing branding when the financial crisis hit. You like you you killed it. You you got this big old investment behemoth. To come out of its shell, own that vampire squid thing, deal with it, and really have a public face for the first time. Did you think about like this sucks because I'm a woman and this is harder for me, or were you much more like, no, this is great, I'm just achieving? How did you How did you like navigate this? I think it's hard not to be conscious of gender, especially as you get to a a more senior leadership role, but. To Donna's earlier point about、um, you know creating opportunities, I always view that as a tremendous platform, and it was wonderful to have women partners. There were many male partners who were very supportive of all partners, including women.、Um, and I think while Wall Street you know often is criticized for not necessarily having the proportion of women that、um, that it wants to, I do think that great efforts are made, and I was part of those and glad to be part of those. But I. Took very seriously the scarcity and the importance of being what you can see and、um, being a role model. Donna and I are both mothers of sons. That's correct. And so you know, it's here we are talking about you know a movement that Donna has created and that、uh, I am incredibly inspired by. That 
relates to girls and women, but I always, as a mother of sons, think how important it is for me to raise good men mm-hmm. because they are part of the equation. And I think about that all of the time. I, I always like to say I, um, my sons are Renaissance men in the making. In the making, I like that. This is Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. We'll get back to our interview with Donna Orinder and Lisa Shallot in just a minute. Hey, look, there is not a natural transition that I'm about to make to go into our sponsor, Betterment. So let me just say this. Teach your girls and boys well and spend time doing that instead of spending time on worrying and perseverating about your financial life. It's a better use of your time. I can promise you that. Finances, big and small, can be confusing, which is why you're probably spinning your wheels many times. Understanding the market, it can be intimidating, which is why, again, you're spending too much time worrying about it without really understanding it. Fortunately, our sponsor, Betterment, is here to change that. Betterment makes recommendations in their client's best interest. That's called the fiduciary standard. Betterment's not incentivized to recommend certain funds. They don't even have their own investment products to sell. Betterment offers personalized advice, a suite of tools to help you know whether you're on track to hit your goals. Better off listeners, you can get up to one year managed free. For more information, visit betterment.com slash better off. That's betterment.com slash better off. And now back to our interview with author Donna Orinder and Lisa Shallot. So in the book, Wowsdom, The Girl's Guide to the Positive and the Possible, Donna, what you have done is you've highlighted a number of different people, women, girls, and some men, who write letters to themselves as their younger selves. And so Lisa participated. I participated as well. I didn't write a letter. I guess I, I didn't make the cut, Lisa. You know what? I no, was no, asked no, to no, give no, advice. No, 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 you, no, no, totally no, 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 no. The book is wrapped in words of wisdom. It's wrapped in wow. Get it? Wow, words of wisdom. And you are wow, Jill. Come oh, on. Yes. I love it. So, Lisa, I'm not going to make you read your whole letter. Okay. The headline is define yourself by your strengths, not your weaknesses. I think this is such a important message. I think that not just for women, but also for men as well. And I love that you did this. And so in your letter to yourself and to dear young Lisa, you write your your first line is, I know you love when people get right to the point. So I'll bring the wisdom, which made me laugh out loud when I first read that line. You say, be your own source of self-confidence, focus on your strengths, define yourself by those strengths, not by your weaknesses. And the last part that I love, recruit a squad of trusted advisors. So when you're a young person or you're a mom or a dad reading this, there's a guide here. Name your top three strengths. When you were a kid, what were your top three strengths? Oh, my gosh. Um, that's much harder than the, the question about my my best financial decision. I guess when I was young, other than tennis, of course, right. um, number one, I worked really hard. I was dedicated. I was committed. I put in the work. And that meant, you know, studying a lot and getting good grades and things like that. Two, I was always taught to be really, really kind and, um, you know, I, I consider that a strength, although sometimes that can be a weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the third was that I was considered a good friend, and it was important for me to be um, considered a good friend, and I really tried to be that. 
I love that. I mean, I think that working hard is very underestimated as a strength. I think that most people would be surprised to learn that most successful women that I know, they work their butts off, butts. whatever it is. I still have a big butt, but I worked it off right? many times. Yes. But I mean, yes. so, so Donna, when you were a kid, what were your top three strengths? Oh, gosh. Um, it's really funny. As I hear Lisa's strengths, they, pretty, they overlap pretty well. Totally embraced whatever the opportunity was. Just went for it. All in, all the time, um, was not deterred. I was just going to make it happen. I think um, that resilience is also, like working hard and resilience, like just keeping at it. I think oh, you yeah. learn that as an athlete, though, right? I, I, it really is, right? Because here I am. I'm a young athlete when girls really weren't athletes. And everyone was looking at you. And you, you felt it. You, can, you feel the eyes on your back. Uh, you feel the comments like, what are you doing? I mm -hmm. mean, my grandmother's eyes weren't on my back. Her words were in my face. What are you doing? You know what I mean? That's so you have, to, you have to learn how to deal with that. And I think that built up a, uh, an inner strength that uh, actually probably days I can use some even more of. But but so important to have the conversation. You know, when you're when you're a young girl or or, or it could be a, a young boy, you're not necessarily talking about strengths. You, you know, you're not there. There weren't words back then like resilience. Um, and so, you know, awakening and awareness uh, is so key. So so early. I totally agree. I, I think what's interesting is that a lot of the the successful women that I have met do have some uh, competitive streak whether it's from organized sports or just they are competitive in general. And I think that as an athlete, you learn about working hard. You learn about picking yourself up when you get kicked down. And you learn about how to play well with others if you're good, right? And so I always say that the best thing you can do for your young daughters is to please have them play organized sports so they learn those lessons even if they hate it. And another point, and it doesn't matter at what level. Right. You do right. not, I always say this, how many people in this room are an athlete? And the people... You do not have to be an elite athlete to qualify. You just have to want to play. Although you were an elite athlete. Well, that I was able to pursue my passion at a high level, and that was a gift. Lisa also writes a beautiful one-pager here about making the most of mentorship. And the thing that I do like about this is that you are a wonderful mentor, Lisa. You're a connector. That's why I met Donna through Correct. Lisa. Lisa, right? Lisa is a connector. I, I'm telling you, there's, Lisa has an, an, a talent that is we we are all celebrating. Many of us across. I know. I just want to monetize it for you. That, that's exactly what I said to her the other day. I called her up. I said, Lisa, why are we talking about me? <laughs> As if she's not here, Jill. It's quite fine. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, I love this about mentoring because you say it's a two way street. That mentees should be specific. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I will just speak from my experience, and that is a great mentor is somebody who is actively listening in order to be helpful. And the best way to be helpful is to know how to help. And coming to your mentor with some specific things you'd like help with, at least for me, then gets my mind going. Mm. Then I can think, how can I best be helpful? What can I do? Because I want, I'm, I'm biased to take an action on uh, their behalf. Sometimes just listening is an action. Right. But, but to the extent, extent that there's specificity and a way that somebody can say, here's how I need some help or here's how we can collaborate, um, I love that and I like to rise to the challenge. That's awesome. 
I wrote a little bit about money and how it does matter, and I really am st- so grateful that you asked me to participate, Donna, in this book. Because Listen, was... I, w- I would like to go on the record that say, even as I just met you, you said, I would be happy to help in any way I can. You didn't even know this book was really, really happening, and I just want to say that is really a positive light that emanates from you, Jill. Oh, isn't that sweet? It is, but who better on this topic, especially? I mean, my goodness. Exactly. I mean, I mean everyone's writing about the Unga Bunga stuff. Mark, you'll like this. That My three biggies are use your allowance sparingly, learn the basics of interest, and understand your taxes. Save, 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 checking and savings and all that. But now, think about this. You girls do not learn about this. Women well, no, don't. Pe- but people don't learn about right, this. Right. That's, that's what I would say. That, that like young people are not immersed in this. We do need to change our you know our our curriculum to include this. We don't do it. Right. We should. I want to ask you another question about okay, the but, book itself. But can I just give you one more compliment? Yes, I just why want not? You to, I'll take it. I'm happy. Well, I just to. want you to know. So when people go through the book, yeah, invariably you, you can see the images, the illustrations. Every page was hand when it's hand drawn. Yeah, they see the checkbook, they see the money, and they go, "Oh, it it communicates that there is a basic level of guidance and teaching that you don't get other places." Right. And uh, Jill, you're a big part of that. So oh, thank well, you. Thank you very much. What do you want to happen with this movement? People are going to listen to this and we want them to buy the book, Wowsdom, The Girl's Guide to the Positive and the Possible. And we will obviously have links to this so they can buy. But what else do you want to happen now that the book is out and available? Well, actually, it, it has been happening. The book actually fo- is following a movement of girls. And it started with the creating of Generation Wow, which is an offshoot of Generation W. Um, uh, and basically, we took girls and uh, we put them all together for this day of incredible positive energy. Lisa will be there. You're invited this year um, in November. And we saw the impact on girls of not only hearing positive messages, but we had mentorship. So Jerry Laybourne wrote the forward. She created this thing called um, the Mentor Walk, which is now done in 44 countries. I've done four with her. Uh, actually one in India, and we did that for the girls. And so we pair up the girls with, you know, so the future leaders of tomorrow, with the future leaders, with the leaders of today, and we create connections. That's I think that's the most powerful, powerful s- superpower, is the ability to connect. And I mean, look at us, right? Here we are. And so um, what happened was, I didn't want to create the Girl Scouts. I didn't want another, I just wanted this moment to plant seeds. Well, the girls loved it. They started creating clubs in their schools. We went, oh, my goodness, they are telling us this is resonating. So we then wrote curriculum. We started to build curriculum. And as we did that, that's how the book emerged. So right now we're in uh, two school districts and the Muhammad Ali Center in Louisville. We, we launch in October. Uh, the Orlando school system is launching 20 clubs. We are over the chart from requests in Duval County schools in, in our area. Um, I guess the sweetest thing was we got an email from a woman who's in Ohio said, hi, I want my daughter to be a wow girl. And I'm like, okay, how did you find us? She goes, well, I see your stuff on, on the web, and she's just got to be it because a wow is a girl who wants to be the best she can be. It's not about her grades, right? It's not about her excellence in school. It's about wanting to be your best person and then willing to share that with the world. And so I guess our hope, and I think why I can't speak for Lisa or any, or any of us, is that this becomes a, a, a connection for girls to really realize their best selves in their discovery of in their journey of self-discovery. What an amazing yeah. that that to me is the sort of the the kernel of this which is how we can start as early as possible to bring that beautiful message to girls and boys as you say, you know, and like we want boys to be respectful but girls you got a special 
hurdle that you have to climb over in this world, and we want to help you. Correct. Right? Yeah, I think, I think when we talked about this, we said we all wanted girls to not have to say, I wish I would have known. How many times do we say right. that? I wish I would have known. Or that feeling of aloneness. No one else has been through what I've been through. Wait a second. If you pick up this book, like my mother, my mother, right? We all have girls in us. She says, Donna, I'm reading your book. I'm like, that's really nice, Mom. Actually, she paid for it. I was really happy. And um, she goes, but I'm crying. I'm like, why are you crying, Mom? She goes, these letters speak to me. And then I read a letter, and I think it's good for my friend. So I call her up, and I read her that letter and her letters. And her friend says, that letter is me. And I'm like, wow, wow. right? Yeah. It's it's authentic, and it's soulful, and it's real. And right? you read Lisa's letter, right? It's so great. And her, her, All of it. It's just... I have, I've, I, as you can tell, I have never been prouder of something because I really believe that it is a, a great something for people to be better. So I usually end the podcast asking what your worst financial decision is, but I'm not going to do that because I like ending on this note of positivity. Thanks so much to our guests, Donna Orinder, the author of Wowsdom, and Lisa Shallot, participant in the Wowsdom movement. Don't forget, we drop new episodes of Better Off every Tuesday and Thursday. And you can download the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Google Play, Radio.com, Stitcher, anywhere you find those favorite podcasts. You can always go to our website, JillOnMoney.com. And we got all the past episodes. we got everything you need. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer. We're distributed by Cadence 13. And we're sponsored by Betterment. See you next week.